0: bad things happen. They happen to good people and they happen to people who seem to deserve it. Nobody's immune or exempt from suffering and pain, but how we meet that suffering, well, it can make all the difference in the world. And that's what we're talking about today on the show. You ready? Let's go. Hey, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Eva Miller. As a domestic violence survivor turned life and wellness coach, I'm here to help you fully know your value, reclaim your power, and boldly create the life you love, instead of living from someone else's script. So if you're feeling stuck and looking for help, or you just want to be reminded that it's okay to be your unique self in a conforming world, you're in the right place. Don't water down your wild, step out of the race you never wanted to be in, and forge your own path. Let's go. Hey, hey, welcome back. This is episode 30 of the show, and I am your host and life coach, Eva Miller. There's a Buddhist parable that I want to talk about today, and it's called The Second Arrow. It's about dealing with suffering more skillfully and more mindfully, I guess I would say. You may have heard about The Second Arrow, and if so, I hope this conversation will be a good reminder and encouraging and inspiring to you. If you've never heard of it, I'm going to try to explain it clearly so that you'll also feel encouraged and inspired as well, encouraged to increase your level of self-awareness, and inspired to take action, whatever that looks like for you. So in the parable, the Buddha asks the student, if a person is struck by an arrow, is it painful? If the person is struck by a second arrow, is it even more painful? Obviously, the answer to both questions is yes. And then Buddha explains, in life, we can't always control the first arrow. However, the second arrow is our reaction to the first. It's optional. So let's dive in a little. The first arrow is a universal human experience. It's an event or a circumstance that involves physical or emotional pain, or or both. Maybe you lost your job, maybe you got dumped, maybe, maybe you got a scary diagnosis, or you lost someone close to you who did. And the first arrow is something that is not in your control, so it's not something you can change. No matter how hard we try, no matter how rich we are, no matter how good or nice we are, we can't insulate ourselves from being struck by the first arrow. Because the pain and the suffering that's generated is outside of our control. But the second arrow, that's how we react or respond to the first one. So it involves emotions, which we can control. And I want to clarify that when something like what I described above happens in your life, I'm not saying any of your feelings about it are wrong or inappropriate. You're entitled to your feelings. Today's conversation is about not letting those feelings lead the way or send you into a tailspin. And it's about helping you manage the emotions so you don't shoot yourself with a second arrow. So when you get hit with the first arrow, feel all the feelings. Think all the things. Cry. Vent to somebody. Talk to somebody who's a soft place for you to fall, scream, go to the gym, punch the bag for a while, go for a run, do whatever you need to do to get it out. Because if you're not speaking it, you're storing it and that gets heavy and it's easy for it to consume you. It's one thing to feel a certain way about something, whether it's negative or whatever. It's another to let that feeling or those feelings hijack your mental well-being your pursuit of peace, which is never ending, and derail your life. So having said that, we usually have two responses when we're struck with an arrow. The first one that we have is usually to place blame. We want to place it on someone. We want to project, maybe get ragey. Or we blame ourselves, thinking that I should have known better or that somehow we deserve it because of poor life choices we've made, mistakes we've made, or just because we think we're not worthy of anything better. A second response to it is usually something like focusing on how it never should have happened in the first place or how it was such a gross miscarriage of justice or what kind of a terrible error has been made. We get stuck in the knowledge that our expectations have been violated. And all of that goes against the reality of what's actually happening right then. Because the pain from the first arrow may not be in your control, but the pain from the second arrow is a choice. It may not feel that way in the moment, but it is very important to know that the line between the two arrows is really small. It's thin, it's faint, and it's hard to see. And actually, if you don't go looking for it, you probably never know it exists. But we can choose how much suffering we bring on ourselves. After we're struck with the first arrow, we can cause ourselves more pain when we get up, get caught up reinforcing or continuing to perpetuate a particular response. And those responses are typically driven by our emotions. You know how sometimes you had an actual bad day, but other times you had like bad five minutes that you milked out all day? Same thing. So if you realize you're in an emotional state and you're feeling some kind of way and you're finding it hard to live in your own head, do an assessment on yourself. Try to be objective and ask yourself, is the pain I'm feeling from the first arrow or the second? Is it from the facts of the circumstances? I got laid off. Or is it the story I'm telling myself about being laid off? Ah, oh, my boss never liked me anyway. Oh, she's always had it out for me. Nobody up there likes to work. They're mad because I do more. They don't like it. It makes them look bad. They don't like my ideas, right? I don't call it this, but this is actually an exercise that I give my clients to do when they're spinning out and they can't seem to get themselves upright. It's one of the very first things we do together. And it becomes a tool that they can use over and over and over again. And it's very simple. I'll share it with you. I tell them to pull out a blank sheet of paper and draw a line in the center of the page from the top all the way down to the bottom. I tell them to write down all the verifiable facts on the left side of the page. X, Y, Z happened. It leads to this. No feelings, just facts. And then I tell them to write down the story that they're telling themselves on the right-hand side of the page. All of it. Everything from he's always hated me to this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I tell him, get it all out, write it all down, all the drama. And then something magical happens when they do this, especially if they do it kind of often at first. They start to see their patterns and the ways that their feelings, their emotions about stuff are tripping them up. My coach taught me this and it has been huge for me. And I've learned to ask myself, well, okay, that that part might be true, but what else is also true? And what else feels true, but maybe isn't exactly verifiable? Because, you know, we take feelings that feel big and real, and we treat them as if they are fact. But feelings aren't facts. If you're honest with yourself in the assessment about whether the pain is from the first arrow or the second, And you find that it's from the second one, even just acknowledging that you've moved from one to the other kind of helps to take things down a notch or two. And sometimes it can actually eliminate some of your suffering altogether. I really believe that developing a strong sense of self awareness is the most powerful thing you can learn to do. And I think that because it has the potential to flip everything in your life on its head. And one of the ways that it can do that is in your most important relationships, because knowing yourself, your strengths, as well as your weaknesses, it allows you to bring your A game to a relationship. And then you and your partner can basically stack the deck in your favor when you're journeying along through life together. It might be as simple as saying, well, I'm good at this, so I'll I'll handle this. And you're good at that area. and That's your lane. You're going to do that. And da, 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 you know, self-awareness. Can help you recognize moments when you're tempted to sabotage yourself. And it opens the door so that you can see the choice that you have in that moment, which then leads you to being able to steer your thoughts and your mindset in a whole different direction if you want. Your circumstances might not be in your control, but your response to them is. And when you skip over this choice, when you bypass it, you are forfeiting your power. When we tune into our feelings and we notice the smallest little bit of a negative or uncomfortable feeling and we dig into where that feeling's coming from and what's driving it, it's easier to see how we hurt our own feelings without even being aware of it. And if you start practicing this with smaller things, even if they might feel big, you know what's really small and what's really big in your life. If you practice it with the small things, it gets easier with the big. You can't ever bubble wrap yourself and protect yourself from the first arrow. But you don't have to pile on more pain and suffering with the second one. And none of this should ever be done in judgment of yourself, okay? This is just about awareness and about having the same compassion for yourself that you would have if you were talking to your daughter or your sister or your best friend when she was hurting. You wouldn't go to her with a a second arrow of blame, shame or judgment. So don't don't do that to yourself either. You're already too hard on yourself. I know I mentioned assessing yourself objectively a minute ago, but I want to give you some principles, I guess is what I want to call them, for lack of a better word, To help you through some of these kinds of situations. You know, maybe a couple will strike a chord with you, and that might be a clue about where you need some healing. I want to start with a word about cautioning you about not letting your emotions control you. And this is like the second part of the first area I work on with clients in my program because. The women I work with, we spend so much time trying to calm the storms in our lives. But our energy would be better spent if we would learn to calm ourselves. Because the storm's eventually going to pass. No storm has ever come and stayed. But if you learn how to calm yourself, it's a skill that will always serve you. Piggybacking on that principle, (laughs) if that's what they are, is to not make hasty emotion-based decisions. I know it seems really obvious. We all know this in our heads, but I think this one's really hard to live out because our feelings start to take off and we jump on board with them. Not knowing how to regulate our emotions tends to spill over into all of our relationships work, spouse, partner, kids, parents, siblings, friends. Did I say coworkers? Yeah, coworkers. Don't get your exercise by jumping to conclusions and don't assume anything. Make yourself pause before you make final decisions or you take action on anything. Making a decision without having all the facts will always mean that you're letting your emotions rule you. But feelings aren't facts and you can learn how to separate those layers. Another principle, be hard to offend. Being someone who takes everything personally sets you up to be perpetually offended. Sometimes there is blame to be placed. And sometimes things just happen. They're they're called accidents, not purposes. But even if ill intent was meant, it doesn't mean that things can't somehow, someday be okay. And it doesn't mean that the person who did it shouldn't be punished or doesn't deserve to have some kind of consequence. But putting more trust in the knowledge that things will turn out okay is better than focusing on the injustices, the wrongs, or the trespasses that have happened. Another thing I would caution you about is not dwelling on the past. I am so guilty of this one. I get really caught up in the if only game. Oh, if only I had not done this. Oh, if I'd only done that. When I separate those, I realize that. I'm really causing myself, I am compounding my suffering with my if-only game and focusing on the past. But we can't change it. We can't rewrite it no matter how badly we wish we could, or no matter what we do. You can stand on your head and eat chili for a hundred years, but it's not changing anything that's already happened. We are better off shifting our energy to the present and the future and just focusing on those. Just work the problem. And finally, don't avoid having hard conversations. Sometimes the only way out of something is just going straight through it. And if you find that, you know, you've been acting as your own second arrow, work through that. And then talk to the person or the people that you affected the most, other than yourself, by it. We carry a lot of shame And we can be incredibly hard on ourselves for our missteps and our poor decisions, but hiding from a conversation is never really gonna work. And actual open dialogue is vital to a healthy relationship. It's not enough to just dig in and kind of become aware of your problem and then maybe not share it with the person who's closest to you. It helps them understand you better. And what you want is a healthy, intimate relationship. And so, You can have that, and it will help you not make things worse. Okay, that's all I've got for you this time. If you want to see if my coaching program can help you, you can set up a Blue Skies call with me to learn more. It's free. I'm not high pressure. I'm not going to badger you. We just have a conversation. You tell me the things you need, what you're looking for, and I tell you what I do to help people and how my program might work with you. If they match up, great. If they don't, all you've lost is an hour of your time. Link is in the show notes. Talk to you next week.